<laughs> yeah, well, you, you can kind of hear from from my side. <laughs> I don't know how how was your writing week? Oh, it's just hell. I keep and they keep slinging more assignments. So now I'm writing the Jerry Stiller thing, and I and I told them I, I don't really have anything to say, but they want me to do it anyway. Wait, which you know, one? I'm not like on, a fan of Jerry Stiller. You know the comedian oh, Jerry guy. Stiller. The guy. So mm. they want a short thing on that. So I finished the Miss, Mrs. America, and and then I'm also mm-hmm. doing the Great, of course, which starts tonight. Mm-hmm. And then I just got a message from Baskar and Kana that they want me to be a guest on their new video chat thing <laughs> called Stay at Home. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, I never thought they'd ask me because they people like Mike Davis, you know, who people who are like mm-hmm. real political heavy hitters have been on, and I don't know. They want me to come up with some topic, so I'm like, ah, oh, okay. So it's almost like a podcast, but video version of that. I guess kinda, it's a right? video version, which okay. I like much less well <laughs> because then I'm visible and that's not nearly as you fun. You look fabulous. Oh, you're very sweet. Thank you. But you know, you just no, wind up true. more self conscious. So I just got to forget all that. Um. I have to get slightly drunk or something. That'll <laughs> make sure your bob is perfect yes i'll have to do that <laughs> which means a lot of painting of roots at this point because of course you know it's growing in really badly so uh man yeah well yeah i kind of at this point at home i noticed i guess that's the um i guess the what is it upside of generally being more of a slope i actually don't need the outside world the whole grooming thing i know i i know this is true i'm not like 100 true but i never really i use it very little of those services and now i think oh but i never even like i don't actually want it i like cut my hair once in five months anyway you know wow that's so great i wish i'd never started i swear to god i wish i'd never started dyeing my hair oh my god Because what growing it out for someone whose hair is mm-hmm. you know is dyed as dark as mine, there's no good way. So you just wind up with that horrible <laughs> gray moving slowly down your head. It's terrible. Oh. But do you think like uh, I mean I know some people kind of can look pretty fabulous in that. If you want it all gray, would it oh, be I all am. gray? No, that's what I'm doing. Oh, okay, but, but that's gonna look great. Oh no, okay. it look great when I'm done. It's just that for a year, it's gonna look like shit. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I'll look fabulous because I still have, you know, dark eyebrows, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to augment maybe a little. I'll just throw a little extra silver <laughs> or white in there and I'll look very sci-fi. Oh, no, no, no. If I could just get through this horrible period. But yeah. Bad face. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I, you can get, like, I guess, a few, like, wigs. That's that actually, true. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I could. <laughs> you can get, like, the black bob that you generally have and kind of, wow. like, wear it while you transition into gray I wonder bob. if I could get a decent <laughs> enough one. You know, you can get a $15 cosplay one, but <laughs> those are pretty cheap. I, I wonder how much they cost to get a decent one. That's a great idea. I hadn't even thought of that. <sighs> Man, yeah, but and I'll have to cut this out so no one would know, you know. <laughs> I don't even care. I really don't care. <laughs> Whatever you like. More and yeah. more, I have no secrets, it seems like. I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I guess I guess me too. But uh, at least I, you know, I don't know. I get up every day and like get dressed as if I am kind of have some outside life. Yeah, you know? I, I still do that too. I don't I do not do the pajamas all day thing. That no, hasn't happened. no, I don't do that. <laughs> I even, I have like, it's weird. I have alar- alarm alarm clock for like 7.30 mm-hmm. every weekday. And it's, I think it kind of helps actually. Wow, because I've reverted to mm-hmm. my, my actual biorhythmic schedule, which is I stay up till 2 and I get up at 10. 
Ah, that's okay. That's Which actually, I don't really I guess, like. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. mornings, but it's just mm-hmm. naturally where it gravitates. So I've just stopped yeah. fighting it. I just finally just said the hell with it. No, Fine. that's that's okay. It's, actually, Ash is more like that, but I'm actually naturally like early riser. So it's for yeah, me. Yeah, so is Philippe. He's yeah. up at up at the crack of dawn just without an alarm. So yeah, yeah. but I just have alarm just in case. But I yeah. actually have like some kind of weird crows always ganging up on the roof next oh, to our really? apartment building so they start even earlier than 7 30 so sometimes oh, yeah. it's like i yeah, let the I dog out at five mm-hmm. sometimes and the birds are just going crazy at five. yeah what's up with that i think they got crazy in the last few months i don't know if it's i'm really like, been paranoid intense. no that's where? right that is right mm-hmm. they're so loud it's just like well it's reassuring in a way because at least it's not silent spring you know yeah. we still have birds so that makes me happy but they're so <laughs> intense it's really remarkable i know but do you think crazy. it's like something with the quarantine or just general spring thing i don't know because it's been so long since i lived in you know anywhere that where i could really hear birds in oakland i just never heard them much yeah i guess yeah no la is pretty you know especially where we are more like towards the mountains yeah yeah a lot of got nature still live nature yeah yeah Yeah, they're like coyotes and everything i'm feeding coyotes which is illegal oh my god what are you feeding them um, actually, well, <laughs> I guess no one, no one, like police won't knock down my door, but basically I buy them, um, at, uh, Albertson kind of cheap chicken at like drumsticks. <laughs> well, you might be saving somebody's household pet. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. They really like like chicken. It seems I like. bet they do. <laughs> and they look very skinny. So it's not like I'm overdoing it or anything. And yeah. it seems like they probably generally st- if it on like Griffith Park's trash where yeah. you know it's usually like full of like tourist people and now mm-hmm. it's you know m- more empty so I think they are actually hungry they look like very skinny oh that's probably right yeah dude that's have you ever cool. seen them back in the yes. day yes okay, so they were all over in the fact place, my right? previous dog mm-hmm. Ruby we, one just showed up on the path like we yeah, I used to walk her there all the time and my mm-hmm. dog Ruby had never seen one and she just fearlessly went and shot after ran after that coyote it was <gasps> terrifying I was screaming <laughs> because, you know, she was a kind of dowdy little dog, but she was still okay. s- just small enough to make you go, holy shit. But she was very tough. Anyway, she came back when she heard me really scream. Oh, but it was so very they didn't. scary. Yeah. <laughs> I was very scared. They didn't. And, yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that they definitely like feed on pets and like well, they cats do. and whatever yeah. they can get hauled on. But um, but I don't know. They themselves are pretty actually cute. They're like kind of like the way the dog, mm-hmm. the original dog should be. Yes, like not the inbred freaks, you know the no, ones they're, they're talking about. Handsome again. little mm-hmm. little creatures, I think. Yeah, well, they're not that little even, but you know, handsome. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. One, well, I don't know. Since I've already started talking about it, I'm like a coyote mm-hmm. lady, basically. <laughs> uh, no, I, I like I'm a local coyote lady, but like it's like a weird pack of like there's only four of them living at least in this like visible side of the park, and uh-huh. that's the, the the usual four I see. One has only three legs. So it's like an amputee, which is like, how the hell that happens? Did someone take it? It's like pretty neat looking. Did someone take it to the ambulance? You know, like, or some doctor who amputated the leg. So, and then, so one is amputee with three legs Mm -hmm. and one is, is like, has some kind of, something horribly wrong with the front paw. And it's like horrible, kind of like, um, what do you call it? there aren't traps like (laughs) I don't know what's going on. It's like kind of walks funny. And then the two other ones, I guess more normal. But uh-huh. I don't know. So it's a, it's a miserable pack of kind of. Mm. <laughs> so they're not like they don't seem like threatening. We've so. seen Minyasha once like a Chinese um, kind of grandma, like a small lady with a dog yeah. was feeding was feeding them some kind of, I don't know, French roll. Oh. And they were definitely very grateful. Imagine coyotes eating some like shitty dry white bread. That's just oh, that's just God. wrong. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they're, I think they're kind of. <laughs> yeah, they keep getting the TV help. Yeah, poor fellows. So anyway, that's that's my animal stories. <laughs> but yeah, so we wanted to do the like the talk about Hollywood. Yeah. Um, series today, and I, I know we decided quite late, so I kind of had to binge on <laughs> binge on them. <laughs> but for me, the weirdest part was also it's like a lot of things kind of happening right nearby, more or less uh-huh. neighborhood, like in the neighborhood kind of I live now. Mm-hmm. And even I looked up the sort of supposedly the gas station that inspired the story. Right. I think you'll, you'll probably talk more about it. Right. It actually is like, I don't know, five minute or something drive away. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, I think that's that's kind of the most, um, I don't know, fascinating part of the plot for me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the entire series. No, yeah. you, it was like that that article you shared with me, and I forget the mm-hmm. name of it now. I think it was from the LA Times. It was yeah. basically saying what's true, what's false. And they said some of the most outlandish things in the series that seem like they must be false are the true things. So the, mm-hmm. the, there was this, yeah, that, that Scotty Bauer basically ran a, a movable bro- brothel out, out of this gas station on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, man. Hard, yeah, that's that's the fascinating story, mm-hmm. I guess, of that. No, but what, other than, yeah. what pisses me off is that the show does such weird things with it and doesn't stick with it. <laughs> they take elements from it and then and then do distort others and then just don't do the most interesting parts. I was just like, what are you doing, man? So we can get into like what what we think what we think Ryan Murphy is is trying to achieve here. It's such a Ryan Murphy show. My God, I never really watched anything else by him. Oh, but, he did, um, you probably wouldn't. Have. He did. He did oh, Nip Tuck. Lee. Oh, Nip Tuck. No, no, no. Nip Tuck. I did. Like yeah. I probably watched a few seasons even. Yeah. He okay. Did that feud, was like a decade the, ago. The Betty. The Betty Davis versus Joan Crawford. Actually, that was enjoyable, and it's because it, it was more accurate than mm-hmm. certainly than this show is. So that was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, but so okay, I, I kind of didn't really introduce it. So yeah, Hollywood is like this new, I guess, limited or what do you call it, miniseries? It's I think seven, yes. uh, seven part basically miniseries yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, that like basically an alternative history of Hollywood in uh, of basically. Uh, what is it? It's kind of Paramount Studio right. story from right 1940s. After World War II. Yeah, forty. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Forty. Uh, what is no. it? Seven to eight is the years. Oh, is it? Wait, is it like 40? Right after the war, right? right So late 40s? Yeah, late 40s. Um, yeah, and it um, brings. I mean, I, I guess that's what what some critics liked and some not. But it brings all the issues in Hollywood that people discuss now mm-hmm. into the 1940s setting. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. And so that, things that's like kind of the premise. <laughs> you know what? What is it like to be gay? You know, at a time when you had to be clo- absolutely closeted in, ho- or supposedly had to be. A lot of people really weren't that closeted in Hollywood. Um, re- issues of race. You know, you couldn't get the parts. You couldn't get the roles other than servants. Or if you're Anna Mae Wong, who's one of the characters in the series, you know, you're playing dragon lady. You know, slinky, seductive. You know, uh, she was Chinese American, but you know, generically Asian seductress so she 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 couldn't get the the great role that should have been hers the lead role in the good earth which was a huge bestseller and was a big mm-hmm. film and she lost it to a white actress who won an oscar louise rayner um so anyway so there's mixtures of of actual people and recognizable aspects of their of their life stories mixed in with just completely fictionalized stuff which seems to be just as a side note kind of like that's what 
frequently done in shows today. I don't know. We're oh definitely my God, it's such a, a plague. They mix. Mm-hmm. I just, can we stop? Can it just stop? <laughs> I just hate it so much. You what, know, what we, do you hate specifically when it's kind well, of the real it, history mixed in? It seems like more and more it's the, it's always, well, we talked about with this with unorthodox. You take us, you take a story that's autobiographical or whatever. It's based on fact and you, and you mm-hmm. do a partial fact and then you add a bunch of shit that's transparently phony when the actual story is 50 times better. And it's like, why? What is this mad desire to fictionalize things where the actual material is 50 times better? And I just keep saying this over and over. I'm like a broken record because all of a sudden it seems like that's what you see. That's a real trend, like overtly taking something factual and mixing it with something totally wildly fictional. Well, that's fact, lame. Well, the real factual <laughs> is way cooler. Is way cool. Which is... Which is weird, yeah, because like if they if there's like this trope about like right, the reality is always like wilder mm. than fiction. Why then not the hell show the reality? Why not do it? Like why it not is just so do wild. It? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But you know, okay, so I <laughs> uh, did all the kind of heavy lifting. I watched the entire watched the series. Whole thing. All <laughs> well, I fucking wasted almost seven hours oh, of my geez. active kind of brain. <laughs> Yeah, so I know the arc, and, the, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, it's overall, it's definitely very, very disappointing. But I do have to admit that, like, some of the parts of parts of the certain episodes, I, I it's weird. I'm like can't be like completely negative. Some of it I enjoyed, but before before I think we get mm-hmm. into it, I kind of had this weird feeling again, just because I kind of I am basically in Hollywood next to Hollywood Boulevard, and. Um, there's like a weird feeling, you know, now, especially, or even pre COVID, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, you drive around, you look at this place and yeah, a lot of people, and that's what the show is about. Kind of come Mm -hmm. here with all these dreams and most of them are kind of crashed and, Mm -hmm. um, they don't, they don't achieve anything, but it's also like, um, kind of like a weird, um, I don't know, tiny segment of what's happening here. Most of it, when you like look around this place, is is just sort of I don't know. There's like horrible misery, crazy homeless, uh, schizophrenic people uh, overrunning Hollywood Boulevard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, and sure, it's and it, it's kind of right next to some sort of Mac mansions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's something kind of. It's definitely you know. There's some kind of not a fully collapsing failed state, but something of that kind, and it's been happening again pre-virus right uh, even even pre-virus and Mm. you can you could feel it you know i've been living here on and off for a long time and um and you know and when you see okay and what's hollywood doing supposedly they're making this um almost like by the numbers identity politics in a way Mm. uh kind of show that's supposed to show the alternative kind of anti kind of nazi hollywood history right Mm. um sort of uh, all-inclusive or something like that but but it doesn't look any radical it sort of looks just like Benetton mostly looks like kind of some kind of Benetton commercial in a and didactic weird like dialogue discussion of all the issues again in the um yeah in the serious format so to me oh I agree it's 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 it almost it it, the material is so promising as soon as you Mm -hmm. hear where you're going to do the alternate history Mm -hmm. and and you know with particular emphasis on the on the the life of you know the gay community and you're just like oh my god this is a great topic oh my god of course there are so many stories there's so much that's going to be brilliant and then it turns all bland he does the some of the bland no wonder it's i think i think it's doing pretty well a lot of people raving about it Mm -hmm. and no wonder it's the most blanding out (laughs) version of salacious material you can imagine it's just remarkable how over and over 
<laughs> he does. He turns to cli- total cliche, and you're like, yeah. again, why? I just and also I'm, yeah. While sorry, and while they supposedly laugh me at the cliches, supposedly it's yes. like a matter narrative. Like a lot of it is kind of matter. It's like right, but it, yeah. But it's just what is it unaware of its own Benetton yeah. bland trope of I don't know what joke of a show. Weird. Yeah, that you just have to keep moving to. And here mm-hmm. is the African American actress who is trying to make it in Hollywood, and her boyfriend is, you know, the the would be director. It turns out can pass, even though he's partly where is he from the Philippines, um, or half or Filipino, father, half Filipino. Um, and, and you just move from one. It's really true. From one, you know, uh, underrepresented community to the next, and see their representative standing there. Mm-hmm. But you know, a good example. Of, of like bizarro choices, just bizarre. And a move toward the cliche that is inexplicable to me is the Scotty Bowers handling. And Scotty Bowers made a huge splash. I forget, I should have looked this up. I meant to. A couple of years ago when he he, he <laughs> released an, a scandalous autobiography called Full Service. And he's included in the show in a really remarked way. The ga- that, that gas station. Well, Scotty Bowers <laughs> was the guy from 1945 to 1950 who, again, was not only turning tricks there to augment his own income, as a gas pump jockey, um, but also just ran a whole sex ring and then top stars. And his actual story, which I had read excerpts, of course, when it came out. Um, but now I'm reading the whole thing and it's so good. It's just, and it's vouched for by more people than I had realized. I mean, who, you know, are well known. Dominique Dunn, it's uh, Cecil Beaton, the great photographer and production designer, has it in his private diary talking about it. You know, a lot of people. Um, Gore Vidal swore it was all true um, before he died. You know, so a lot of people have said, "No, it's really true." So what? What do they do? If you if you see the show Hollywood, the lead character that you're first introduced to, his name is Jack something, is this really boyish howdy doody <laughs> kind of kid from the sticks who comes to Hollywood to make it big and is struggling and winds up, you know, working at the gas station and turning tricks. That's Scotty Bauer. But for some reason, they don't call him Scotty Bauer, even though he even looks like Scotty Bauer. But that's exactly who Scotty Bauer was, that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, so and he already kind of joined the gas station that already been kind of run? No, as a he shows pro- up at the gas okay. station. And the first thing that happens to him is the star Walter Pigeon, he claims, Scotty Bauer's claim, pulls into the gas station and basically, you know, <laughs> comes on to him and he gets in his car mm-hmm. and goes and from the rest is history. Word gets around. More and more people are coming. <laughs> He's servicing more and more people. Then there's people who want something that he can't, you know, that he isn't exactly their type. He starts arranging things. And the next thing you know, he's just got this booming, you know, this gas station is beyond belief. The vice squad kept trying to figure out why is this gas station so successful? <laughs> so he's running a whole, he's even got a trailer in the back for people to do it right there. Or you can take the, you know, one of the gas pump jockeys off with you or whatever. He's doing whatever. So that's who he is. But in the show, they don't call him Scotty Bowers. Scotty Bowers in the show is the kind of skeevy, middle-aged, hair slick back, kind of, you know, lurking, creepy guy who's like, he was like the gay man of 50s heterosexual nightmares. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's predatory. He's kind of creepy, all that stuff. Scotty Bauer never owned the gas station. And, and his, he said his boss was so naive that in the five years he was doing this, 
he never suspected what was happening. <laughs> so yeah, Scotty Powers was only there five years and then he became a bartender and started doing the same thing, but as a bartender, exactly the same set of functions, but even more expanded, more stars, more top people in the industry. Um, so it's so weird. They call Scotty Bauer this this kind of creepy guy played by, what's his face? Uh, uh, Dermot Dillon. And it's not him. Yeah, that's right. He never owned the mm-hmm. gas station. He was never there in middle age. He was a young guy right out of the Marines, super hunky, you know, had a, apparently a colossal dick and an absolute charm. He was And was sweet and lovely to everyone. Everyone loved him because he just smiled and everything was fine with him. <laughs> He's got an amazing story because he is the most, so sex for him is the most benevolent act there is. And he was he was available for anything. <laughs> he was up for anything, literally. Wait, he, wa- he was, by, like, he wasn't gay or... Well, straight. he claimed he, like, he, he technically yeah. he, his preference was women, but he was happy yeah. to do it all. He would do it all. It. <laughs> no matter. And he said, I just really liked making people happy. And he seems to honestly feel that way about sex in general. So his. his OK, his, yeah, his, that's not on the oh, show. No. The guy he's playing <laughs> is this kind of creepy guy who threatens people who try to leave, you know, don't want to do certain acts. He's like, that, that's not Scotty Bars, at least is the way he represents himself. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, but it's baffling. Why not make the lead guy who seems much more like Scotty Bowers be Scotty Bowers? He, actually, Scotty Bowers also was married. Well, no, he also had a he was sort of had a permanent girlfriend who was pregnant, and he was trying to support her while he was doing all this wild shit. All that's true too. Why not just do that? Well, the only thing that maybe that maybe Ryan Murphy wanted that you couldn't get from Scotty Bowers is Scotty Bowers didn't want to be a star. He was just making a living and really enjoying <laughs> the kind of living he was making and, you know, loved loved L.A., loved Hollywood, loved hanging around, but he didn't seem like he wanted to be a star. Maybe, mm-hmm. but it's just that whole distortion and move toward a kind of bad cliche, a bad stereotype of the middle-aged what gay about, man as predator. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's insulting. Why? Well, by the end of it, since, again, I watched all seven episodes, he sort of, he reforms and uh, kind of semi-retires and uh, falls in love with uh, one of the development, the older woman, I forgot who who plays her (laughs) executive. Um, God, the famous actress. Oh, Patty Lepone? No, 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 not Patty Lepone. Another one. She's the wife of the casting director. Oh, the casting director. Oh, the casting director lady. Yeah. Yeah, Helen Taylor. And uh, that's it. They end up together, and she doesn't even mind that um, he has cancer, and that's it. There's kind of like a happy ending (sighs) of them being together. And he's even playing um, basically David Selznick in the picture. Right. He also gets into kind of acting later in life and he's so grateful that after basically 30 years of pimping he finally wow. <laughs> he finally made it to Hollywood which is kind of sweet and that brings me to okay uh, I completely agree with you it's like cliche on top of cliche and, and overall very weird bland depiction of everything but one thing that I liked and I don't know it, it seems to be like you rarely see that or I don't know the kind of the, the series from episode to episode they do focus on the fact that the um, sort of Hollywood it generally is not a very like it's not some kind of polite society mm-hmm. it bleeds it bleeds into this kind of more shadowy uh potentially like prostitution ring and you can jump from there to being a screenwriter or you're a screenwriter who needs money and it's kind of no one really judges it and and is sort of a male prostitute on the side mm-hmm. and then it can stop basically it's sort of very it, it shows this is a pretty fluid kind of thing it's not as moralistic or judgmental it is but at the same time when when they show how it's run, no, it's they're all pretty tight together. With the mafia too, 
and uh, and again, it pimps, and and all of it kind of comes together, and that that seems a bit, I guess, a bit more honest than what you usually. Um, well, it's certainly more honest see, than what yeah. you usually see. Like, usually like, like for see. example, the 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 agent Henry, top agent Henry Wilson, Henry Wilson. who's yeah. played by Jim Parsons. It really that was really the agent, Rock Hudson and Tab Hunter and all those guys with those fifties names. Those were all his clients. They all, according to what you always heard, they all had to put out for him. Um, to mm-hmm. get representation, that was that's apparently quite true. George Cukor's Sunday parties, first for the straight crowd, then the straight crowd leaves, the gay crowd comes in. That's true, um, at least according to all the you know, <laughs> you know, all the sources you can find, which of course are going to be relatively hard when a lot of this was pretty secret. Um, yeah. So that's that's true. I mean, I guess it's just again my disappointment in that you could have gone even further. You could have gone way radical, but you know, I guess that's why Ryan Murphy's a big success. You know, because he doesn't go that far. But like, you can't get as sex positive in a mainstream show as Scotty Bowers is. It's just not possible for him. He's never he never had a bad sexual encounter. He was never reluctant. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on the reluctance of the heterosexual lead Jack, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be, who seems like he's kind of the real Scotty Bauer. Um, he's always like protesting every time it's like time to, you know, be with a, a man instead of a woman. I can't do that. That's not me. I can't, uh, I'll be, what What will my success be worth? He has this big scene of, uh, to Henry Wilson who offers to represent him if he'll do certain things. And the, the guy makes a big stand and, and you know, Scotty Bowers is just more than up, more than ready. The, the, the story of Scotty Bowers' childhood is is truly shocking from a contemporary point of view. He's literally having sex or, well, we would put it, he's being molested slash raped by men from the time he's eight years old. <gasps> Seriously. By the time he's 10, when he's a shoeshine boy slash newspaper boy, he's servicing, he claims, like, 15 priests <laughs> at a time. He, and he, he, never, he never represents that he, he didn't love it all. And they're always nice men. He's always very understanding. None of them ever heard him. They all respect, you know, well, he's just a little God, boy. And, you know, it's very and you're not just, modern. Oh, you're just reading it's it just a, with your eyes yeah. bugging out because no one talks this way now. No one believes this yeah. way. This is a scandalous no attitude. It, yeah. But he yeah. is so like, nope, what a, what a lovely gentleman he was. And you're just reading this going, holy shit. It's really... It, again, well worth reading. Well worth reading in its entirety because the ex the excerpts can't really get to you how corn fed he was raised on a farm, you know. Yeah, but then you know, just to in terms of morale and like morals and mm-hmm. all. Yeah, it's it's like no one would would hear that no. or and it, it just would like, be out. I right. saw the but farm you, animals do it and it seemed perfectly natural. It never bothered. Yeah, but if you, <laughs> but like, I'm just thinking Whoa. if you go back. Yeah, but if you go back in history, something like, I don't know, when I was reading a while back, like Satyricon, you know, written in like first century AC, something like the close to the end of Roman Empire. I mean, that's that seems to be like a totally normal, generally oh, kind of behavior. If, if and it probably wasn't exaggerated. Most you know? earlier societies, you know, poaching on kids is just mm-hmm. part of what everyone's doing. Absolutely. But, you know, that's supposed to be part of the progress we've made, that children are yeah. off limits under 
and it's a true tragedy and there can be nothing but trauma and terrible harm done to them if they have these sexual experiences too early and there you have Scotty Bowers going I'm the slap happiest guy in the world I loved it all it was all marvelous it was the best way to make a living I love all these people it's just so it really spins you around really does well one thing though to defend the show and even though i <laughs> definitely not a fan i mean no one pretends it's scotty bowers there's not a name oh, yeah, I, they do. in terms of when you watch it a lay person it's not like i don't think anyone tries to sell you the main guy jack no they don't the one you're discussing no, but when they, introdu- they so it's not like- when they introduce the owner of the gas station they say this is scotty bowers yeah but that's that's what's so freaky the guy's nothing like Scotty, but that's what I was saying earlier. Why would you attach the name Scotty Bowers to the guy who owns the gas and who acts like that and is like that? That's nothing like Scotty Bowers, but the lead guy is. So you have this strange switcheroo where the name is attached to a different character that has, other than the connection to the gas station, there is no resemblance. Hmm. Interesting. I guess I didn't like perceive them again throughout the entire series. The guy who, who like the older guy who is supposedly Scotty Bowers, as as horribly lecherous. Eventually, he because I mean again later in the in the show, he's super kind of committed to the guys. He even helps find the money for them to like finish the movie with a black lead and all that. And then later, he turns out to be even not a bad person. And he is like overall shown as this guy who's into just generally into sex with anyone. So there, there, there are those elements you're talking about. It just probably... Well, it's like just later the way they the introduce show. him. They introduce yeah, him in the just... light of being sinister. He's trying to pick mm-hmm. up Jack in the bar. And Jack in this kind of skeevy, you know, <laughs> way. Um, they, they cast him in the predatory role and his look is, is this kind of aging predator. I mean, if he turns out to be nicer later, but he has some really aggressive moments of like, then fuck you, get out, you know, he'll get get really angry when Jack uses to do something. You better fucking get out of here and find me somebody who will, you know, this is all this, all this kind of thing, all this threat, threatening to get people to do things. Yeah, that's sort of like changes. They make him changes. Yeah, Yeah. but you know what I find interesting? Uh, Like, I mean, not in the again detailed of the show. I don't want to like retell all the episodes, but um, the general arc of it and just why they've been created now definitely made me think about the whole Weinstein story because you know probably they made the show what in the last few years Mm -hmm. and it feels like a very kind of post Weinstein kind of fantasy fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it is like brought into 1940s, it still has that clear like awareness of the Weinstein story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, I mean, I know you didn't get too far into the show, but the, did you notice that it's basically kind of both? I mean, okay. So there are kind of Weinstein like characters or some traits of the Weinstein, um, you know, in the right. basically studio executive uh, who later, I mean, he's cheating on his wife mm-hmm. with like one of the younger but not too young actresses and supposedly she doesn't want to have this relationship. Anyway, there are like all these kind of elements that are totally normal for Hollywood and they show it. Mm-hmm. But, and at the same time, it's sort of like... Um, you know, it, it's almost like as if Weinstein is defeated from inside Hollywood. And in this show, eventually his wife kind of takes over the studio mm. and different pictures are made about like both gay people and black leads and all that. But it sort of has that, um, you know, again, it's kind of like rosy, yes. like a weirdly rosy treatment of, of, of reality while also, I guess, alluding to this reality. So I don't know. The Weinstein seems to be pretty prominent. Oh, I think it's very much. Reference. It's like trying to address the contemporary concerns by going yeah. back and creating a fantasy 1940s 
but using elements of fact and, t- and a shit ton of fiction. But, you know, to me, it's just like the most middle brow fantasy you could possibly yeah. have. Like, come on. You want a fan? You do- want to do a utopian fantasy of Hollywood and this is this is the best you can do. But but again, maybe this is why he's successful, because it's the most it's so rote. Sometimes you just yeah, yeah. And and people just say things that you're just like, oh, come on. I love you, Rock. No one has ever said that. No, no, we're in reverse. Archie, you know, he's supposed to, supposedly Rock Hudson. It's a totally fictional character as far as anyone knows. Maybe he heard a rumor I never did. This, the black boyfriend of uh, Rock Hudson is, is his name's Archie, and he's a writer. Um, he's a screenwriter and a gigolo. Yeah, and yeah. a gigolo. Um, yeah, and, he, and he, the screenwriter, the screenplay is about Peg Entwistle, who was a, you know, a, a white actress of the, what, silent era, who, you know, had some stage experience came out to Hollywood um, got nowhere and in despair threw herself off the Hollywood sign and he and he wrote a script about that and so that's a big part of the what's going on everyone's trying to get cast in it all this stuff is happening around that but anyway at one point um, uh, Rock Hudson says to Archie you know that he loves him and, and Archie says no one has ever said that to me you know you just get these canned scenes of like of affirmation that are, are kind of squirmy um, yeah, and it always there's all this turn toward wholesomeness but in a way that seems very cliched not at all, again, not to harp on it, but not at all the Scotty Bauer turn toward wholesomeness, which is the claim that sex itself is wholesome. <laughs> it just is wholesome in his view. Yeah. And so he cast that across his entire narrative that all the things that look super menacing, he's like, meh, <laughs> is it? A lot of gorgeous people having lots of sex with everybody. Eh, I don't see it. I think it's uh, I yeah, think it's good. But you know, but again, I I doubt that Ryan Murphy, I don't know, is it an intention in, in terms of like levels of some kind of irony, but it, it is it does look like a weird pastiche and also like mm-hmm. a, almost like a bit of a parody and it is like a Hollywood it also has a Hollywood ending, which I'm not going to spoil, but the whole thing is kind of like right a Hollywood story about Hollywood, so it has to have this Hollywoody slightly like sugary kind of feel I would think unless I'm reading too much into it so some of that stuff that is like over the top sentimental almost kind of I guess has to be there because it is like a ho- you know what is Hollywood really it's like a weird well admittedly my, know, drink you know, this isn't for me this isn't a show for me you know I, I Mulholland Drive, if you want to go to feverish fantasies of Hollywood, (laughs) that's where I I want to go. So I want to go that far, or I don't want to go some a couple of steps down the road. (laughs) And let's imagine that people who were just more (laughs) daring and better people got control. And I'm just like, why? Why imagine that? It's not even interesting to imagine that. And it never happened. Guess what? It never happened. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Actually, it's interesting you brought Mulholland Drive. I kept thinking, obviously, about it. Because while watching him, like, all right, okay. What another major problems I have with this um, show in general is that while okay, someone finally decided to make something about Hollywood, mm-hmm. supposedly with uh, some kind of extensive bloodlines mm-hmm. and blah blah. It's sh- like about the studio and all that, um, like the kind of the kitchen of, of the movie making. And the weirdest thing, n- like none of the episodes where basically the show in general doesn't at all, unlike Mulholland Drive, looks into the real dark side and also like the kind of the real potential darkness of this drive and motivation to become, I don't know what, actors, mm-hmm. great movie stars, mm-hmm. um, some people, I don't know what, even screenwriters or all these other aspirations, which are kind of, you know, pretty 
I guess special and like a dream that people give their life mm -hmm. life to in general. And there's not there's none of that there. It's just somehow assumed uh, sort of this weird like a drive to become a movie star mm -hmm. is um, first of all kind of wholesome, mm -hmm. and uh, they don't necessarily show any particular vanity mm -hmm. and it's all very kind of it's like weirdly glorious and it's assumed that it's like some kind of weirdly glorious pursuit mm -hmm. which you know there are like a lot of questions about that i would say well and, and you're right about the blanding out in a way that's hard to understand like like when you, you start the very opening scene is with jack in a movie theater that is weirdly empty mm -hmm. at a time when movies were so insanely pop they were never going to be more popular than they were that that year 19 basically 46 ish right after the war was the peak of all time so it's just so weird to see him sitting in a dead empty theater watching a movie and he's just kind of like watching and then suddenly kind of smiling and going uh-huh uh -huh. and you're like and that's the motivation <laughs> that's the motivation for him wanting to be a star and you're like what <laughs> what but i mean that sure that could motivate a lot of people but then they're it's not going to drive them to to the point that this guy is this guy mm -hmm. is then represented as unable to even get extra work which would have been very typical if you read for example you know what they shoot horses don't they yeah they shoot horses oh, don't that's, they that's an amazing Her harrowing account mm -hmm. of what it's like to try to be an extra and get anywhere in Hollywood even if you're using you're selling your body in exchange yeah. you're getting most people are getting absolutely nowhere so he's you know they show him doing that no. for a while like he, he's he's making zero money his wife is pregnant hmm. they're turning off the electricity and you're like but we have literally no sense later he does an explanation but they do mm -hmm. such a poor job you're right of like trying to show what is it that's driving <laughs> these people because we Why know nothing about that guy's life later Later he says, well, my mm -hmm. life was sort of nothing and I wanted it to be meaningful. And you're like, well, maybe it would have been a good thing to show what his actual life was like <laughs> in some nowhere fucking town and show what the motivation was. But up there, it's a million times better than my life. And maybe I could literally go there and somehow get into that other world. Just does a terrible job. You're just like... You talk about the, the, the incredible lure of the movies, but you can't show it. I mean, this is what baffles me about Murphy. He's so hot and cold. He'll have these great <laughs> ideas. He'll do these these moment, these great things where he seems insightful about this subject that he clearly loves. And then just completely no insight, <laughs> like no feeling for it. No, nothing. I mean, he, he, he has some false notes in there that are, if you know anything about the people involved, right? you're, you're just like, what are you doing, man? I mean, he makes Vivian Lee not even beautiful and like mm -hmm. this skitsy idiot like she she acts like she's she, they have her you know idiotically reciting lines from gone with the wind at, at the dinner table at george Q and everyone rolling their eyes like oh she's constantly doing that immediately would never have been doing this she was a super smart super ambitious woman who was more interested in being on stage than in film it's just so it's and she's not ravishingly beautiful i'm like how how can you her leading quality is she's so eerily beautiful she knocks everybody off their feet and so I'm just like, and the, yeah. and the Rock Hudson casting, where did they get that boring, rock-shod idiot? Rock Hudson, like, I'm not some huge fan, but I mean, when he was young, he was six feet four. He was awesome looking. I mean, he walked into any room and he was this huge hunk of, you know, corn-fed gorgeousness that would have knocked out everybody over and again they just hire some guy i was just like 
you're doing nothing to convey what would have even been excite, exciting. Even in my time in Hollywood, I was like, Jesus, you saw people who were so good looking. They were so good looking <laughs> that you just stopped and stared at them and thought, you can't be a human. <laughs> you're too good looking to be human, to be a regular person. And that, you, but even they don't necessarily end up well, right? Oh no, they kind God, of be, that was probably um, the horribly. great gods. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, which is which you said, you you kind of it feels very true. Um, you know, you say okay. Uh, so the the show kind of shows that this like exchange of like some, for some sexual favors mm-hmm. immediately, at least in in this universe logic of this show, mm-hmm. br- does bring you into the movies. It potentially gives you success. Immediately, immediately gives you access. Mm-hmm. Like the main guy sleeps with some like one of the minor casting women mm-hmm. from Ace, or basically it's Paramount, and he gets into yeah. those gates immediately because he's so amazing and bad. Anyway, but the, and it and it keeps going. It happens the same way even for the screenwriter and all right. that it basically it immediately gets you in the door and what you're saying and what they shoot horses don't mm-hmm. they kind of gets beautifully i mean it ain't always it's the case always isn't that the whole right, point right. and that's the do- and that's the dark side because and that would be the interesting speaking of motivation and just how life unravels it's like you potentially you know at least some people from like small towns mm-hmm. with who knows grew up religious they give up and uh like everything they believed in and sort of mm-hmm. like even prostitutes themselves who knows they might like be not necessarily ready for that and yet they don't get anywhere right so that's something interesting but here we kind of have this like people have moral dilemmas like the rock hudson mm-hmm. character right he has moral dilemmas he kind of goes out with the sleazy manager wilson mm-hmm. and he gets into the movie. right like that but like what about if he didn't why does it why everyone has to deliver on those like promises like just make no sense well and even if somebody did if you ever read the harrowing early mm-hmm. life of marilyn monroe as she put it herself i spent an awful lot of time on my knees she was years and she was gorgeous she did say that yeah oh mm-hmm. she was very frank Oh yeah. And sometimes she well she'd kind of blow hot and cold. Sometimes she'd sort of deny it all. And then other times it was like, nope. <laughs> nope. And it was pretty well documented that she was, you know. Mm-hmm. She was You mean like with a with a casting or like whatever studio. People. She was servicing Joe Joseph Schenk for a couple of years and he was like eighty. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. She was she was she was, was sleeping. He, was he, he was the, the big or was skank, his, actually. He was the studio head and now I'm forgetting which studio. Okay. Metro Golden Mayor? Yeah. Metro oh, Golden man. Mayor. Um, yeah, she literally lived in a guest house on his property so she could be right there if he ever, if it ever seemed possible he was going to be able to get an erection, <laughs> supposedly. Wow, I didn't know. That's already more interesting. Oh, than no, that she, oh, no, no. And she we, yeah. took years. And she later she said very bitterly, there are men who, who should just be shot for what they do to, to, to poor girls. Because she was very poor. She came from nothing. Uh, who are just trying to, no, just no. trying to get, get along in life. It's just, oh no, she was horrible abused she was but she was everybody knew she was supposedly she worked as a, an outright call girl for a while but she was definitely sleeping her way up the ladder and that was well known about her and well so were a lot of people at least she finally made it but yeah exactly mm-hmm. how many how many people did all that and, and everybody got anywhere near <sighs> Wait, are this rumors something like you told me Billy Wilder or he boasted that he, he was a he jiggle? He boasted about it, but he met so back in Berlin <laughs> when he was born. Back in Berlin. Yeah. Okay, that's not then. That's um, nothing to do with not Hollywood. Hollywood no. Yeah, but anyway, it, already this snippets of like information already They're more already interesting. Better, aren't they? Than, already better than whatever they show. And yeah, and I don't know, it's just so bizarre. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so even in screenwriting, you kind of also break into by being a 
I don't know, prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And then one thing they didn't like disclose at all, how the young half Filipino, supposedly also minority guy mm-hmm. who sort of passes for white, right. gets gets his first um, kind of movie feature greenlit. Mm-hmm. They never get into that. And I watched throughout the entire thing. So I don't know. It's all very kind of... <laughs> Uh, lazily done. I don't know. So some yeah, it seems just, very half baked. Like it's like, it's yeah, it was, it was a good idea, and then it's just got a lot of underwritten scenes and characters. It's like sometimes he just wants to throw another celebrity sighting in there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also there's a lot of boring. You know, meet Cole Porter, meet Noel Coward, meet. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. That's that's. Uh, you know, and and the and again, the casting isn't sharp enough or interesting enough to make you feel like no. it's it was worth it's worth meeting all of these people. Especially sometimes I watch it and I'm just thinking, what are people thinking who don't know any of these people? At least for me, it's it's got a little bit of interest because I I know mm-hmm. I, I'm an idiot and I know all about these people, and so I'm at least curious to see who did they cast and how are they going to play it and all the rest of it. But if you don't even know who the fuck these people are. What's entertaining people? I don't understand, except that it's this kind of, it's tried to turn it into a kind of sweet fairy tale with lots of, you know, lots of, you know, full frontal nudity and sex play. And you can always look forward to the next, you know, lightly scandalous, you know, thing that gets revealed. Ooh, this is what really went on behind the scenes in Hollywood. Um, I guess that's what the attraction is, because... Otherwise, I'm 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 a little baffled. But you, it sounds like you liked it better than me. And maybe it gets better. Maybe if you watch the whole, I only made it through three, and then I was like, oi. Well, it's very soapy. I mean, parts of it get better, part not. But it's just uh, there's snippets of something interesting. I did find it initially kind of the interesting subplot because it's like basically about the movie been made, a controversial movie been made uh-huh. in this A Studios, and that's kind of partially the plot of the entire series revolves around mm-hmm. that and the movie that's been made is based on this like supposedly black screenwriter yeah um, Peg and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that I found interesting just well her story is obviously interesting she's already gets into some more Mulholland Drive territory mm-hmm. just with yes. <laughs> doing what she did and and that has some kind of potential but but obviously I guess you bring Ryan Murphy into it because he's the brain behind it it's all gets just blended and into some second kale smoothie. <laughs> yeah, and I, right? and I kind of wonder so, if he's just trying to. Part of the problem is he's trying to take on too, way too way too much. Like if you look at the that that feud, the which is just a one off with the with the legendary rivalry and hatred between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford when they worked on mm-hmm. whatever happened to Baby Jane. And part of what is good is not only is there a lot of material on that, like a lot of sniping back and forth, many years of rivalry and hating each other. <laughs> And quotes and all sorts of stuff that is known about the two of them. And they've been tons of books have been written on them. There's so much material, but he can actually really focus. So you really are getting into practically the day to day life, which was highly eventful on the set Mm -hmm. of, you know, of whatever happened to baby Jane, which is an incredibly lurid, you know, kind of lowdown classic now cult classic of a film. You know, when you can get into the performances, Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis really just does she does impeccable work. It's almost impossible to pull off that kind of impersonating of a, a very well-known star. And she's, she looks just enough like her made up because she has huge eyes like Betty Davis. Um, she, mm-hmm. she does gets just enough mannerisms to really convey aspects of Betty Davis, but otherwise plays like core characteristics of Betty Davis. She just really does an impeccable job. Jessica Lange isn't nearly as good as Joan Crawford, but, but just because it's so focused, 
um, on a tight. So you mean it's too wide of a net? Kind yeah, of like he just he casts threw. his net so wide and wants to cast of thousands and wants to mm-hmm. have constant more stars just wandering in for little cameo appearances. And he wants to make sure he hits every politically correct marker that it just seems like it's you get a lot of thin. That's what I mean by kind of thin, <laughs> underwritten, weak, not really imaginative you know, takes. Yeah, that's true. But I guess he went kind of. I mean, I, I just imagining more like kind of Robert Altman way, trying yeah, to do really this, like, trying to do his, <laughs> right? Very kind of. It feels the very that way. Middle of the road version. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle of the road version, unsuccessful, but that's what he seems to be going for. And and you know, it's it's the weirdest thing. Again, I I bet it, no one meant it that mm-hmm. way. So uh, it's not intentional. But some of it is just kind of funny, just because. Okay, sometimes they show because it's all about actors. Mm-hmm. They show how like what bad acting yeah. is because supposedly like, Rock Hudson is a bad actor the Jack the main yeah, guy yeah. is initially kind of bad they show this like auditions they're all bad and then when they show them kind of like really good and like heartfelt mm-hmm. scene they're doing to me it's like well it's also yeah, bad no exactly <laughs> so, I thought the same so, thing but so it's like, also bad so again you're thinking of that legendary <laughs> scene that makes Naomi Watts a huge star quite rightly yeah. even though she's never good that good again in Mulholland Drive where she's she gives a kind of lightly innocent you know kind of dub and then she turns on a dime and suddenly gives the most erotic before brilliant erotic mm-hmm. performance you've ever seen it's like it's a mind blower that scene it became immediately legendary in that audition in that yeah. audition scene and so th- mm-hmm. it's like there's that <laughs> that it's held up to you and then there's this weird thing where you're exactly and then right this and it's, yeah. where you're like going but that's bad too in another way and are you meaning it to be that no, <laughs> no. That's what that's what where I go because I kind of as if like want to believe that I didn't spend seven hours <laughs> in complete vain. Yeah. But like, but I think no. Okay, it's it, obviously no one means that that should be bad too. But well, it's but funny might, how can because, you, you know, do that? that scene kind of early on where they're being taught to speak in that completely artificial quote unquote mid Atlantic accent, and so maybe the implication is well the artifice was such and the acting style was such that certainly by our standards it maybe I'm I'm sure I'm overthinking it I can't believe it you're right I can't believe they really. No, they didn't it. mean it. They didn't mean it. No, and I'll tell you, they definitely they didn't mean it because like every time, because a lot of like both girls and like the boys, the bat when they show bad mm. acting, the thing they do is like they they just kind of yell yes. and move their hands a lot mm-hmm. and kind of do this like th- like over the top theatrical right. stuff, and that's bad. Okay, well, horrible. And then when it's really good, they sort of like don't yell as yes, much. Yes, they get much quieter. And <laughs> yeah, and the kind of the the arms do not frail. I mean, they don't like. <laughs> way they are but they kind of like really intensely like look in their each other's yes. eyes and there's some kind of like one tear going down the, the <laughs> yes. cheek and supposedly it's like a very kind of intense and profound emotion yeah. and it ain't and, it ain't. <laughs> and you're kind of whoa and you're like, <laughs> so yeah. i don't know mm-hmm. i don't yeah i don't think it's intentional but it's funny because again you kind of it's hard to like you kind of lose yourself into this weird game because it's like about acting right. and you wonder do they how much of it is matter how much is it sincere what is it prestige i don't it's, right. it just it is it does get confusing just by the nature of the right, story right even if it's bland and unintentional you know but but yeah it's weird you know like i i wondered basically uh, what was uh, i mean i don't want to check all of those stories against the historical right. thing but they frequently show the schwab's drugstore mm-hmm. where the kind of the young up-and-coming stars hang mm-hmm. out that was a real place right yeah that was a real place and it was a real actor hang and you know the legend was lana turner was discovered there she wasn't actually but huh. it helped build the legend of wow if you hang around schwab's you might get discovered <laughs> yeah huh, okay and that was somewhere in hollywood like neighborhood. yes 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 i forget okay. exactly where it was but yeah it was it was a, it was a mm-hmm. hot spot for yeah 
for that era. Yeah, that seemed like the real reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, speaking of the real references, okay, so because you had, I mean, unlike me, you had like a real stint here in the kind of definitely, you know, (laughs) deep in the midst of like different productions Mm -hmm. and uh, some dinner parties and all that. So how would you think, so I know you you already said like Mulholland Drive is the closest Mm -hmm. uh, movie or (laughs) I don't know, anything film-wise that gets Mm -hmm. um, to the kind of real feeling of being here. But so to you and comparing it to your real life experience, this show gets like like really zilch, like nothing. There's like nothing of a, there's no true note there at all about just, I don't know, you had, I guess, interactions with some version of a studio or manager type or this, this and that and casting director. So is there anything that kind of, I don't know, makes your... I'm shot. I don't know. I mean, yeah. just because it's it's such a candy colored kind of fake world that 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 it does mm-hmm. seem to be like borrowing from the factual just enough to sort of lock it down to yes, let's say some of this really happened. <laughs> you know, the Henry mm-hmm. Wilsons that we we mentioned some of it already. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't resemble it doesn't have any feeling for what what I remember even hanging on the very very fringes of it. No, it doesn't seem to have any any resonance but of course i wasn't there in the 40s but it, yeah no i would say it just it doesn't no i, I don't think None. so <laughs> no yeah which which actually which is probably what makes it a very swallowable kind of like uh some kind of hollywood production yeah. that's gonna be whatever well well reviewed yeah. i mean I'm, like, I'm trying to think i mean other than you know again just mm-hmm. they're restaging scenes that they know are are based on fact but mm-hmm. it all seemed i was astonished i was from the opening shot, I was like, this seems completely phony. <laughs> I, yeah. And I was so fascinated by that that I kept thinking, okay, it's intentional, obviously. It's got to be. Got to be intentional. Mm-hmm. So it's going for, as you said, some sort of fairy tale alternate history thing. Fine. But even at that, I've, I still am kind of coming up. I come up a bit empty when I'm trying to figure out what, what is he doing? And all I can come up with is know. it's not for me. I'm so not the audience <laughs> for this <laughs> that – yeah, like things I don't even understand, like the Patty Lapone character, who the wife, is, yeah, yeah, she's the wife of a studio head. She was a silent film star, and then when sound came in, she had a kind of quote unquote too Jewish sound to her voice, and that was the end of her career. And you're and you're kind of going, <laughs> supposedly she's not based on anyone, and and indeed mm-hmm. you're just kind of like going, I why why do the why create this character? I don't know, because there were so many people who you could base it on actual people whose careers. Yeah, and who had like foreign accents yeah, and who had foreign who had accents, not just Jewy. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And and there's just so much. There. In other words, there's such a wealth of material of real stuff <laughs> that I'm baffled by scenes that seem phony or characters that seem phony or situations that seem phony when I'm just like, but why? why it's something that really i don't wait get. what about rob reiner as a oh, head yeah. of the a studio <laughs> wait you, you you met rob reiner right in real life no i never met him no i, I knew, I knew okay. his daughter but i never i never his adopted daughter okay. i never met him he was never yeah, around but what did you think because i okay my, my take i know i'm like what did you think and immediately talk mm. myself but if rob reiner character i don't know if you got i did yeah far into that when they when they um show it was just a few times he was not too many scenes yeah. when he's talking kind of as a, or eating at the dinner table steak and- no 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 not even dinner. They, they there are scenes basically when he's sometimes in his main yeah. office and he uh is talking to some kind of casting mm-hmm. people executives and he's gonna greenlit or not the project and at the same time he's eating this big yeah. steak and he's kind of this big fat 
that powerful man. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I mean, you, you should confirm or not, mm-hmm. like the way they shoot it, and it doesn't work the same, but they're clearly going for that look. It's straight up Barton Fink, from, like Coen Brothers yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they put on the wider lens, they kind of make him kind of loud, mm-hmm. semi-yelling, mm-hmm. kind of glutton. And the way they shoot it is just, it's exactly the same, but it doesn't, re- it does, it's not there, obviously. It's not, it's not Barton Fink and, and somehow the studio executive is not, it's not, um, have the same kind of <laughs> effect on you, but yeah, yeah. But they're tr- you know, so, you're, but you're right. They're trying for what is known about the most shocking stories of the studio heads of that era, you know. But you know, some of the things that, are, that you know that they're the, the literal Mussolini like desk arrangements of like Louis B. Mayer. So you had to walk <laughs> practically across a, a white carpeted football field <laughs> to get to his massive desk. And <laughs> just there's just hilariously wonderful stories that again the Coens get much better. You know that brilliant uh-huh. performance by Michael Lerner the studio and you know when you read about encounters with louis b mayer who was an histrionic and calculating beyond belief and he would do exactly that he'd stage these emotional fits he could faint on like on at will as if he was overcome by emotion he could cry he could go into just sudden lightning like rages that terrorized people out of nowhere i mean he just he literally people were just so freaked by that guy <laughs> but it was part of how he kept control. No one knew, you know. No, everyone was afraid to make a move around him. So there's so many like glorious and hilarious stories that merely to do a Bulgarian, who's you know, which was also true. Supposedly David O. Selznick would would insist on having meetings while he was on the toilet, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a lot of truth to you know these guys. They were utterly working class, most of them coming out of total poverty. They didn't have good manners, even if they wore super nice suits. And yeah, there was a lot of vulgarity, but it just seemed so bland when I saw it. I was just like, really? That's the best you can do? Uh, There was a lot of really fantastical... account harry cohen jesus christ harry cohen harry cohen had literally built a secret passageway from his office to the top the star dressing room where the leading lady of whatever you know top movie would be and he would just whoever it was he just walked through the passageway and just present himself to, to whatever top star and basically expect to be serviced. He tried with Betty Davis. She just had the biggest fit in the world and stormed off the set and quit whatever the I forget what film it was. But I mean, so there's much more like extraordinary shit that they could do that, yeah. that based on what was actually going on that was astounding. Yeah, and Rob Reiner actually playing this almost like kind of be- ben- benevolent guy. Yeah. Like overall, he's not even that. He's got the, at the family table. Know. You know, he doesn't seem. She, yeah. she sets it up, the wife, as if he's really a horror show. But then you get there and he's, he's not. He doesn't seem even that extreme at all. He's just no. saying you're, but you got to learn, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be, you're not suited for this business. It's a tough business. I was hoping you'd learn your, you know, he's trying to tell his daughter actually what seems like sensible things. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's all like, actually, it just seems just weak given the bl- material bl- available bl- to you. If you know about Hollywood history, you're, you're just like, no, you can, the sky's the limit with this stuff. You can go wild. <laughs> I know, but you know, the only thing that, um, I mean, I, I just like thinking, imagine, uh, it's obviously probably 
it clearly didn't happen. It's not true. But if it's like the making of the series, yeah. like if you look in like the making mm-hmm. of Hollywood, what if <laughs> I just like to believe in reality, Ryan Murphy or whoever else was involved, mm-hmm. like number of people have writing credits. Actually, they wanted to write something radical and out there and whatever and dark mm-hmm. and seedy. But, you know, as in real Hollywood, there are all this um, pressures brought to bear. <laughs> uh, so you can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all this real suits, not the actors right. playing suits in the suit, right. but the real suits come in and make it's it a- rosy and powdery <laughs> right. and all that. So and, and that's and that's how even, you know, the show about the darker CD side of Hollywood mm-hmm. is made with like all this, you know, I don't know, again, no, no, um, no sharp corners, you know, right. I, I don't know, but that's, but probably it's not true. I bet like, you know, Ryan Murphy didn't get where he is by being some sort of contrarian, you know? No, I, and you he seems think. to have, really have a, a very strong sense of like, how far can I go in lurid material to get people <laughs> really engaged and then just, you know, pull back and give them really what they're, what they're used to getting. It just, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So it just has to me an unforgivable blandness, but I think that's exactly, that's exactly why it might succeed. It seems just shocking yeah. enough. Yeah, the, the, I guess the shocking part, that's when I initially said I didn't completely hate mm-hmm. it. The shocking part for any kind of like this more um, like Hollywood production series or film is they really went, um, I guess that's the only part I, I, I like, uh, mm-hmm. the, for the kind of the male gay male gaze mm-hmm. and even it doesn't matter I know it's not accurate to history the Scotty Bowers character mm-hmm. is not the same and all that but generally there's like a big chunk uh, of the screen time mm-hmm. uh, resolves around that around the shame around the mm-hmm. different uh, parties and not parties love affairs mm-hmm. and like falling in love and all that and secrecy mm-hmm. and 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 this, and sex as well, mm-hmm. and it's sort of you rarely see that. Really, it, you do. I mean, sometimes I know there are like movies about some kind of what broke broke back mountains, mm-hmm. but it's it is kind of rare. And I and I I mean I find it why why not have it as one of the major plot points or I don't know it it just I kind of rarely get rarely to see that. So I think oh no that's, that's very kinda, true. That's probably the that's kind of just interesting yes. in its own right. Yeah, yeah. You know the weird um, Henry Wilson, yeah. the, the the creepy manager type. Yeah. He had kind of like an amazing weird dance he yes. did, almost and like pretending to die. They said that kind. that's based on he would do that. <laughs> He choreographed himself that yeah, dance, I, the I character who played. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. I don't know. There's like an interesting, and it's done again, not as a, he was not like a laughable character. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a powerful manager and type. kind of scary most It's just of interesting time. to see. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to see this kind of like predatory, mm-hmm. gay agent, Hollywood agent, who is like very sure of himself. He's not like a laughing stock. I know there's something interesting about just seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which you, again, you rarely do. And it's clearly a lot of that out there. Not everyone is just after Merlin Monroe. There's like a lot of, um, <laughs> there's a lot of definitely praying after after men, you know. Right. So, so that's that. Just that does it some sort of justice, just on the. But again, I know that for in terms of film form, it's boring and bland and all that. But since like I keep saying how, you know, at this point. Uh, you know, and, and you wrote like the death of the revolutionary film form. There's no interesting form ever. Like, so I feel like at, the, at this point, we're like only left to talk generally whether it's good or bad about content. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like there's no form to discuss mm-hmm. in particular almost ever. So it's like in terms of content, at least when I we talk about it, there's something interesting there, like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, i definitely glad you're right. At least we, it mm-hmm. isn't staging exactly the scenes in exactly the way. <laughs> at least the content no. isn't exactly what we would always see just by the very no. nature of taking that out. So that is the best part of it for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's that's kind of I guess I want to. That's the big <laughs> do plus. Yes, twist. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And and again, Ryan Murphy is gay, and I guess I don't know. He he probably can like have some true notes around at least that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But uh, but again, I don't know. That's that's the only semi redeeming, semi redeeming thing about the show. And I met a lot. Yeah, of, a lot it's of for sure. Like it. For sure, the most interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. But again, I know it's like we probably don't have time to get into it. And it's a really kind of hard topic to tackle. But like, what do you <laughs> after your experiences and now writing about it? Like, what do you think? So your interactions with different mm-hmm. actors and Hollywood wannabes and even like trying to be screenwriter and all that. What's the what's the motivation? Is it like semi the same across this fact? Do people have different motivations? Why the hell there's that kind of What's the drive? I mean, to get into the business at you know? all? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking like, forget about the movies. I know like Mahone Drive is amazing, but actually what's the drive? Like, so is it mostly kind of, even if the people are not bad, it's normal. It's kind of like this vanity of good looking people for actors. Well, no, I, That's their drive. It, I think it has a special place in America. And I, and I would never have suspected this. Like I assumed coming from Western New York area, I just, it, it never would have occurred to me to go try. So I'm, I'm impressed that people would come, which is still true and was always true. People would come from all over the world mm-hmm. to try. It never would have occurred to me. I was just like, yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen to regular people. And it was only when I got to California and I was closer and I met and started meeting rich people <laughs> that they had all this confidence that the world was open to them and they could go try. So I got kind of swept along with it, but I quickly found my own inner desire to be in that world. And when I went, when I was on location, even in tiny, like I was working in little indie films, it was amazing mm-hmm. how just the fact that you worked in indie, indie films mesmerized people that you met on location. And you realized how much, at least for Americans, maybe, maybe in the world movies, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're not, but movies were important. <laughs> and so there was a huge, I had people tell me, I had one guy who still haunts me, tell me that that his secret desire was to be an actor. And we were just in bumfuck nowhere. And he felt he was kind of a Clint Eastwood type. And I'm telling you, you, you never saw anyone <laughs> who was less of a Clint Eastwood type, but you could tell that that was his secret dream. And I did not find it funny at the time because it was somehow so heartrending because it's, there was such longing in him and you could tell that that was his secret fantasy and that that kind of thing would come up when you you didn't expect it i was nobody i was just somebody working in you know mm-hmm. <laughs> helping out the art department or some shit so i was nobody but you would he you'd in what marilyn monroe said you would, in, when you're in movies and she was a star you encounter people in a raw way and it's like people's emotions would open up i can still remember the hotel well it's more like yeah it was this terrible tatty hotel we were staying at because we were on location and we had almost no money <laughs> Um, where were we in? We were in somewhere, Needles, California, maybe somewhere, nowhere in the world. But we had to stay there for a while. And the, the guy mm-hmm. who ran the hotel and was our contact person, a very young man, maybe 25, he actually had tears in his eyes when we said goodbye. Because you could tell that it brought all this, this I hate to use the word glamour, but it's really true, and excitement into his life that was now leaving without him. Like the caravan is passing on and he's still stuck in fucking Needles, California, or wherever the hell we were. Mm-hmm. And it you just saw things like that that were just that were very heartrending. Like people have these huge dreams <laughs> and they they're never gonna pursue them. They 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 kind of they don't they never are gonna make that trek, they're never gonna try. But even in people who don't try, you would discover 
the depth of their fantasy and their and their and their longing um, that that movies tap into. And so mm-hmm. it's super powerful. And I, and I do feel like Ryan Murphy does not capture it. And I'm like, but why don't you capture mm-hmm. it? You must have been that person once, unless you were just wired in and fell into it. Like people whose Who knows, families, yeah. I actually don't know his background, but I found that shocking. He seemed to have no sense of what, how you could be hooked and surprised by it. Like I was, I was surprised to find out how, how into it I was. And it, once I was into it, other friends of mine started sort of edging in themselves a little bit and you could see it. What do you mean? They'd start edging trying. Out. They'd start trying to write a screenplay. They'd start, cause you know, you, uh-huh. if you see a friend do it, all of a sudden uh-huh. it becomes a possible thing that it never, you never would have thought was possible. So all of a sudden but I had people yeah. who were like, we're going to write a screenplay and now we want to know the people you know and we want to try and you saw the same thing happen to them. This sudden incredible longing, this fixated desire to actually do this thing, the idea that it might be possible that you could do it too. But just a question, because for me, it's like I'm I'm generally, I don't know, like, kind of confused about mm. this whole thing. So, and for even friends of yours who tried, uh, basically the sort of the uh, getting into screenwriting or it doesn't matter, directing. Whatever it was, yeah. It, it, you you compared whatever whatever it was in a way, that's how you said mm-hmm. it. it. It's sort of very similar and, and the same to what you've seen in people who wanted to be, to have their face on screen, basically to be some version of yeah, Adam, some actor. It's yeah. the same. It, so in your experience, because you have a real experience, it's the same kind of drive of just kind of having that other life because it's another world. Because right? the, because it seems like a bigger world of the imagination, yeah. And mm-hmm. and Americans, whether they know it or not, have a sense that a big world was due to them, and they got fucking gypped. <laughs> it was, somehow was promised to you, you were supposed to have a big life, and you didn't fucking get it. And if you get near movies, it's weird mm-hmm. even when you're making a little indie movie even if you can get the lowliest tv star if they know who that star is suddenly the world that that big world is possible they see it like that's a real world and i could be over there and Mm -hmm. i think that's just a huge big emotional thing for a lot of americans but you have to be able to sort of find a, a way of representing how big it is how raw it is how real it is and yeah he really doesn't do it in my, in, at least it, it, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't see it as as conveying <laughs> that the the sense of the world could get big. Mulholland Drive is, does it perfectly, perfectly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because it's such a weird, like, kind of just trick of a light. Yeah, I guess in America, because it is the sort of the origins <laughs> of this whole industry, it has like a, a special place. But I know, yeah, I mean, all over the world, like people are mesmerized, but I guess they don't even think they can exactly. have it. A shot, They're more a like shot. me. They just so, like, I could never do it. But it's almost like there's a sense, of course you could never do it until something happens that maybe you could. And it's like, oh, of course, I always knew I could. It's, it's I can't even describe it. It's like a, a switch flips in you and you realize you always thought you were going to be big. <laughs> That's all the only way I could think of to put it. It's this weird thing in you that you denied all your life that was saying, nope, you're, you're, you're going straight to the top. Where did you get it? So I was always mm-hmm. fascinated by that. People got a little taste so and were like, like well, naturally yeah. I'm here. I was always meant to be here. <laughs> uh, 
It's interesting that it's because it is just so bizarre. You say, yeah, as you say, there's some switch. While the honest story for majority of people, even like we recently talked about Woody Allen, mm-hmm. and, and he got the movie bug early mm-hmm. on, but he's pretty honest about it, and he really doesn't care about the awards and kind of this kind of more shallow side of the glamorous thing. Uh, but he, he kind of says that well, a lot of luck is involved. Oh my really, god, just yeah. a lot of luck. So that's honest. But what you're saying, the switch of like, oh, of course I was destined. Yeah, now that I'm, now that I'm <laughs> in this room with famous people somehow i i knew i was gonna be <laughs> i was born to be here and you know you're out just as fast and <laughs> most people yeah. even if you ever get one toe in and then that seems inevitable too you know it's it's hard to explain how, how you're like no mm-hmm. how could i have even thought for that one minute that it was gonna work because of course it wasn't gonna work and again mulholland drive you're both the becky who's coming to town it's, her name's becky right or is it betsy i forget becky, becky. Yeah, betsy, betsy betsy i think no i think it's i can't betsy. remember now but anyway Oh, who, who's, yeah. who's wide-eyed and gullible and believes she's going to be a star and you're the one who's in the bungalow and your corpse is Diane. rotting away. Yeah. You're both those simultaneously. And that's, that's it, the experience. Yeah, but <laughs> I know. And also knowing more of Lynch and watching like the, what, the third um, Twin Peaks, how, how he perceives times, mm-hmm. it's almost like yeah, she, you, anyone or she's like both of those mm. women, but it's like two alternative universes, mm. right? It can go one way or another. Yep. That's the switch. <laughs> so, but that's the, that's the switch. So it can happen either yeah, way. Yeah, so he gets it. This is a, this is a man with insight, David Lynch. I need hardly yeah. say. But also, you know, someone who is not nearly as sublime, but obviously smart and funny, it kind of, at least for me, it's kind of rings mm-hmm. very true. What Ricky Gervais does with all those narratives mm-hmm. of fame and wanting fame, mm-hmm. you know, with a show extra, but he does it in kind of as, as if like comic, kind of comedic mm-hmm. way, even though it's pretty dark. I think it's, I mean, that's an interesting and more honest approach. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of really looking at this, you know, you, you, you're not like um, idealize it the way you were telling the stories of people wanting to do something big with their mm-hmm. life and wanting to be somewhere, blah, blah, but not reaching. But how he's looking at it, it's like, well, no, it's mostly, it's kind of this, like there's weird, petty, vain desires people have mm-hmm. of, um, and you know, and he explores it at depth. Um, sometimes it's you know it leads them to something, and they're still petty and vain. Sometimes it doesn't, and they're like you know some petty extra, but yet petty and vain. <laughs> yeah, and do, and yes. uh, so it's not even like you know it's not like someone is bad and good, and the good ones become like movie stars. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like the real drive behind it. And I don't know if I'm like. Um, and kind of boil it down to something too simplistic. But Ricky Gervais seems to actually explore it in, in, in different, whatever, even films or series. It's, is that, you know, there's like a lot of petty vanity involved in, in, in general in this industry and the way we idealize and glamor, glamorize this general existence of this other life mm-hmm. because the mundane everyday life is of non, uh, kind of not in the camera lights and mm-hmm. all that is so... I don't know what for most people unsatisfying or boring mm-hmm. or what. So and we idealize that other one, but he shows no that other one is fucking petty, can be boring, and also just just in many ways just soulless. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, f- I I find kind of that that take is definitely very <laughs> very interesting. Well, it is and especially because you can you, know? you can just roll it over if you want to like Christopher Guests, you know, <laughs> when he do, when he does Waiting for Guffman and it's even you know they wind oh, up yeah. as Hollywood. With extras in the end, but you know, Christopher Guest is full. He sees all the all the petty, all the stupid, all the everything. Yeah. But unlike Gervais, he's actually fond of all these people and and seems to he's fond of them. Yes. Like, yep, that's true. <laughs> but Gervais is kind of more meaner, he's but he does it to himself. Yeah. 
but he casts himself he as that. And so I'm just like, okay, I, I don't want to be too much of a fangirl, but he kind of does that thing where it's almost feels like he's ready to interrogate it in himself too, because he came way later mm-hmm. in life into generally movies himself as Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. And so he's really kind of exploring that in an interesting way, because, um, you know, by playing those characters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like, mean and vain, but it's also him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what the hell does it even mean? It's, I don't know. That's, it's, it's, um, there's like a lot of interesting kind of psychological and I don't know, philosophical sides to this conversation yes, that fucking much. never get covered yes, exactly. in any of the mainstream movies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and I kind of made a, whatever, I, I, I know, oh, sorry, there's, there's a plane. Nope. Sorry. Wow, that is loud. Damn. Do you yeah. Hear? yeah, I think there's some kind of weird, either helicopter or plane. Mm. I don't know what's ha- happening. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, but I created this kind of little list mm-hmm. of the, which is very short of the movies that at least, you know, <laughs> do do talk mm-hmm. about the industry in a interesting way, which to me is only they shoot horses, don't uh-huh. they? Barton Fink, mm-hmm. Hail Caesar, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. And Inland Empire is the biggest mindfuck, mm-hmm. three-hour mm-hmm. uncensored David Lynch. And I think it also gets an, an all the at, at all those like basically questions we're kind of trying to tackle. But yeah, what about what about you? I would certainly uh, add just... Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> oh, Sunset yeah. Boulevard, of course. I didn't put it in. That, That's pretty. That good one's too. quite good. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Singing in the rain is is more cheerful, but it's it's actually they based it on real stories of what went on behind the scenes. So that one has some nice moments. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, there's probably a million others, and I'm and I'm blanking. But that your your list yeah. is excellent. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yours, yeah, I forgot Sunset Boulevard. It, it is good. I love how it, like, did you read, Um, because <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I, I flipped through recently uh, Billy Wilder mm-hmm. biography and it was mentioned there. I, I don't think it's a rumor, but it's true. They forced him to record the beginning of the film. Yes, and it's that's supposed, true. Oh, you know about it. So it is true. I mean, it sounds like such a, like a b- way better opening scene, how the way he wanted it was is like the main guy being rolled into the yes, morgue. Yes, the corpse and a corpse on the slab. And then the he starts corpse. talking. He sits up and starts And they, they all talk about yeah. how the die, yes. what the hell's going on. And he's the one kind of like offering his story. And that's how we right. get into it. That's fucking great. Yes. I mean, it made me think about that scene or trying to write. I just, I can't believe no one ever then kind of like not stole it but like inspired got inspired by it and then put right, it somewhere right. you know? i mean the, the pool scene another- is beautiful but it has way more dignity and <laughs> loveliness than the corpse yeah lab one would have, or the corpses yeah <laughs> the corpse is some kind of you see like the food with a number mm-hmm. and it's sort of like wow yeah. now you're in the morgue. Yes. <laughs> yeah but anyway that's uh that that's kind of the type of <laughs> exploration of Hollywood I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, and about. there's a cool avant-garde film. It's called The Life and Death of a Hollywood Extra. And they, they list his oh, number. It's like extra number 94819 or something. <laughs> because they all have a number stamped on their head when they get to Hollywood. Oh, you got to see it. It's good. Oh, God. Is it like it never ha- it's like a, it, it's invented, right? There were never any numbers. Well, it's Oh no! Of course, it's invented. It's it's, it's very it's being very um, fantastical in its you know its but it's approach. It's also like in concentration camps. Are they oh, like it Nazis? Very it's very it's very German expressionistic in its approach. It's nineteen twenty nine. 30, something like that. Oh, my God. Before the concentration camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it became camp. famous. Okay. It was one of the most successful avant-garde films ever made. It actually played before major – the whole Hollywood crowd saw it, loved it. It wound up playing before major features. It was weirdly mm-hmm. weirdly successful, yeah. Shot by Greg Toland, who, did, uh, who later did Citizen Kane and was very famous as a cinematographer. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Okay, I'll try to find Oh, it's it. really good. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> numbers on 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 the hat. On the head. God. 
And okay. then if you get a star, I think they, they put a star on your head. There's various symbols. <laughs> but it's all about getting nowhere. It's, you know, the, the extra never gets anywhere. Right? He lives and yeah. dies without ever getting in, in, you know, anywhere. It's nothing but no no casting today signs. And yeah, well, you'll, you'll see. Okay, I'll see. Yeah, and that brings me to the fact that one of the notes, I'm just looking mm. what the hell I wrote. I have this note that says, Hollywood is Nazi. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I guess I want, I met, I, while I'm watching it, it's just like I have weird scribbles. I'm like, yeah, and the, I guess the only thing, back to the numbers on the hat and all, the only thing this, this show does in 2020, it's sort of definitely that tries to do that, kind of denazify the Hollywood um, sort of mythology, right? Because it go into 40s and redo it and it's all well, more yeah, and you're right, and it, inclusive and all that. And it doesn't give a very strong sense, at least at least the episodes I saw, of the machine-like quality, which was was really haunted the imagination. You know, the, the, the Hollywood based its system of mass production on, you know, things like Henry Ford car production, that kind of thing. Exactly. And that's that doesn't it makes it look very homey. Like even the cafeteria you know, mm-hmm. seems it seems very nice. And you're like, really? I mean, surely there were ways to show they're grinding out. That's partly what drove people nuts, I think, then, especially when it was really thriving, is like they were making so many movies and they needed so many people that the idea, well, of course, I'll be able to squeeze in because they need they're making there's so much production. Now mm-hmm. it's different. You kind of know that there's <laughs> there's nothing like that huge factory grinding out product that was going on then. And yeah, that the, this show doesn't convey that at all. Yeah, that's true. Well, on this now, I don't have any no, no. closing remarks. I, I think I've said every bright remark I could think of. Okay. <laughs> I'm too yeah. hard on it, I'm sure, but I always am. I know too much. That's the problem, too. I sit there and I'm like, yeah, that's a stupid way to cast that person. He didn't look like that. <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, most people, that's not going to be a factor. Yeah, so you don't have like the kind of the privilege of having like been green, having a fresh exactly <laughs> where you can just watch it like a that. show and, and not you know bring your know it allism to bear. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you're yeah valuable oh, <laughs> criticism. You know that's why I'm never happy with anything. <laughs> well, you know I rarely, I rarely am. It's all it's all mostly bad. But who knows? Okay, next week we're going to talk about the new series, The Great. Yes, we're still hoping for that one. It's about Catherine the Great, and it's um, the same writer Tony McNamara who wrote The Favorite. And I'm hoping looks kind of like the approach is is somewhere in the same ballpark to you know the scum of royalty, <laughs> the vicious quality of their lives. We'll see. And I forget who's starring. Uh, is it Elle Fanning? Is playing Catherine the Great? Elle yeah. Fanning plays Catherine the yeah, Great. Yeah. So that starts tonight. So Yeah. Well, I've read a few interesting books about her. And I, from what I understand, they took a lot of liberty. It's not based on any history. Yeah, but history almost every outside, Catherine yeah, the Great movie does. So I'm going to watch a few of them. That I've seen a few. But there's so many Catherine mm-hmm. the Great movies because, of course... Again, the sexually salacious, you know, just the very rumor that she once, you know, had herself mounted by a stallion to satisfy herself is, is you know, probably the most famous thing people know, think they know. Yeah, that's probably like ah. just a rumor. Yes, I think that's, that's almost probably certainly. just a rumor. From, from the <laughs> real historical books I yes. read, that's like smear, smear yes, campaign. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, but yeah, but she's definitely an interesting historical Very character. Much. So we'll we'll get we'll get into mm-hmm. that. Man, I would, wouldn't it be great if um, what's his name, the guy who directed um, 
favorite, the Greek mm-hmm. director. Oh, I'm blanking. Yorgos, I forgot his name. Yorgos Lantimos. If he made, like, let's say he's a director and maybe even co-writer of something like about Hollywood, that's way more It would be so much more interesting. Show them as some depraved, semi-autistic brutes. That's yes. already better. Already, already <laughs> much better. Yes, yes. yes. But yeah, but alas. 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 Yeah. Okay, see you see next, you next week, week on the other on the other side. On the other side. <laughs> Bye.